Hey, this is Sayyam Bhutani and you're listening to Chai Time Data Science, a podcast for data science enthusiasts where I interview practitioners, researchers and cagglers about their journey, experience and talk all things about data science. Hello and welcome to Quarantine Content with Chai, the CTDS.show. In this episode, I interview another legend from Kaggle, Dimitri Larko, Chief Data Scientist at SEO.ai. We talk a lot about Dimitri's journey and how his views on Kaggle have evolved over the few years. He's been active on Kaggle for the past six or seven years. And we discuss how his journey and his learnings and his takeaways from Kaggle and his overview of the platform have evolved along with the tasks that he works on during the day outside of Kaggle. He also Kaggles during the day. We discuss his role at S2O.ti. Note, we both are buyers. We both work at S2O.ti, but this podcast is just an independent conversation between the two of us. And we also discuss about H2O's products and the challenges that Dimitri is undertaking at work. I believe this uh, conversation has a lot of advices for Kaggle. The biggest one for me is, uh, and the biggest one that I'd like to highlight is if you stay persistent and if you keep learning, even from the losses, you set up to make a win and it's an iterative process and you can keep learning on Kaggle throughout your years. Another one is don't be scared to make the jump on Kaggle. It's always scary, but uh, once you get involved in the process, not just of Kaggle or even in data science, broadly speaking, there's a lot of learning to be done. With these two wise advices from Dimitri, here's the complete conversation. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone, it's it's an honor for me to be talking to Dimitri Larko, the legend uh, on from Kaggle. Dimitri, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me here. Actually, it was it's it's a pleasure. Really excited to be talking to you. I want to start by a silly question, if I may. I've met so many Dimitris, and all of them are great on Kaggle. Is is that a cheat code? Is that a secret to being great on Kaggle? Well, I mean. If you want a serious uh, answer on this question, I think at the moment of my birthday and like uh, around 1980s and 19s, it was a quite popular name in Eastern Europe, Dimitri. So there's a tons of, so, and you know, there's a lot of Dimitris basically being born at that moment. And a lot of babies being named Dimitris basically. And yeah, that's why, you know, you have a lot of, population and some of them actually being great on Kaggle as well, right? Just by pure chance. I don't think it's actually related to the name, right? Yeah. And, but you know, to, uh, yeah, I know it's like a silly question, but uh, you know, I don't, I mean, I think this question actually requires a serious answer, right? Because I don't think uh, uh, participating on Kaggle requires you to have a, a specific, you know, like something that nobody else has right like something some like a specific skill basically no it's not it's 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 mostly being uh, it's mostly for constant work right so if especially if you can do a competition uh, that means you have to compete from the beginning to the end as soon as you start competing you end up competing only after the competition end it's not like you know like hey i made a submission like two months before the competition end and i'm done no, I mean, obviously, somebody will will build a better solution for you. Like, you know, a better solution compared to your solution. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be, you know, always constantly present and try different ideas over and over again, right? So it's, yeah, it's, it's I think if you uh, ask me to describe Kaggle using a single word, this word going to be persistence, right? So you just have to be persistent, you know, like, like you know, just do it until the end. And I believe actually this can be true for a lot of, uh, uh, it actually can be a part of the formula of, uh, of human success in any, in any type of uh, activity, right? It's just like, you know, you just do it until, until you, until you make it basically, right? right? Uh, 
that's that's hard. That's that's really hard. But it's uh, I don't have any other recipes how to do that, right? I just 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 do it. Certainly, we'll we'll talk more about that. But another thing I wanted to point out is uh, Dimitri name. The name is uh, synonymous to someone who's from Russia, and uh, at least through the movie culture, we know that we know that Russians are great at math and programming. Do, do you also think that's that's your uh, that's a benefit to you on Kaggle? Uh, I never was good at path, you know, honestly. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, well, I. I do have a, my basically my major actually uh, is in uh, analysis statistics and machine learning. So obviously it's, it it helped a lot. But again, it's been a while from you know I have a I actually had a huge gap between my education and the time I actually start to apply the knowledge or like machine learning basically in Kaggle or like at, at, in, in real life on Kaggle in real life. So uh, that means it's not necessarily to have a specific education, basically, you still can learn. Actually, especially right these days, you have uh, tons of resources available online. So it's a. Uh, um, what was the question? <laughs> I kind of lost myself. <laughs> did, did your uh, so Russian yeah, 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 yeah. to be great at programming? Yeah. Yes, yeah, Russians maybe, uh, but again, I'm, I cannot speak for the whole nation. Yes, we do have a lot of bright people. I'm just thinking I'm not part of them. Actually, you know, I just yeah, we do have a strong education in math and physics right uh but um to me math was actually always like you know uh kind of arcane knowledge basically right so stats actually uh, yeah i i i feel myself better uh, you know in statistics compared to like math in general but still you know i never thought of myself as a as a really good in math person it's more like you know i know how to use this uh knowledge i have and the tools i have in a, in a practical life scenarios like you know like in, in in on practice got it so you mentioned you had transitioned uh, a little while after completing your uh, studies and uh, i i researched this a bit through your uh, i think linkedin i found out that you transitioned into a data science role in 2015 and you had won your first medal in kaggle around 2013 or 2014 Uh, why did you decide to transition into this field? So it's a it's a it's a it's a long story of being very humble and a long story of being like you know uh, it's basically a story of fear, right? Because I actually was afraid to switch it. So uh, it started actually for me. It started in around uh, 2012. So I learned about uh, Kaggle in like November 2012. Something about that, right? So at the end of the 2012, from my dad actually, who is a quite good in Kaggle. So it actually, well, he learned about Kaggle way before me. I think he competed like year or two before I actually heard about oh. Kaggle from him. So and I like the idea immediately, right? So because you have it, I mean, it's it, yeah, it's 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 exactly what I uh, what I would like to do, right? But I was actually afraid to come to to compete immediately. So I spent basically six months, six months after that I learned about the Kaggle, just trying to learn R because I had no idea about R before that, right? And refresh my knowledge in statistics and machine learning. And after six months, I finally decided to join. Still was extremely afraid of, you know, join. Actually, my head was shaking while well, while I'm doing my first submission. And but you know what? In the next month, I learned about machine learning. Ten times more compared to my previous six months, and I prepare myself to Kaggle because you know Kaggle really motivates you to learn tons of stuff in a fraction of seconds, basically. Yeah. So in a very fast pace, and yeah, that's actually interesting insight, you know. So don't hesitate to 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 compete. Just start to compete, especially if you really want to. For me, I mean, I mean, I actually was afraid to start competing on Kaggle because I was like, you know, yeah, yeah. But you know, in your first competition, there is nothing to lose, actually. Yeah. Right? It's just like okay, you can compete. I mean, nobody knows you, right? That's that's fine. If you lose, you will learn tons of stuff. If you win, well, everybody will will will, will you know will will learn about you, which is actually already good. Right? <laughs> so there's there's a, there's a tons of things you can actually achieve, right? Without almost nothing to lose, right? Yeah. And that actually that was my motivation to start the first competition, and I and I started it. And to me, actually, uh, my first competition was actually extremely successful. I end up in a, in a tenth place in a, in a, it, it, and that was a uh, the biggest competition at the moment on the platform. It was like a 
1.6 thousand people uh, participants uh, actually it was a like, quite huge and I was in 10th place, right? So, yeah. And I never thought of myself as a data scientist or machine learning expert, actually. Before that moment, I was like, oh my God, I can actually can do that. And I, well, obviously I got stuck to Kaggle immediately. Well, was that the reason <laughs> of you getting addicted to it? Uh, I think addiction would well, be the right word. Yeah, addiction was, yeah, it was exactly the right word. I, I, yes and no. I still kind of like to believe I was actually, you know, just like doing this stuff, not just like winning. But maybe it was a definitely a big part of the question to get, you know, immediately stuck to the Kaggle. Because I know, like, for example, for Marius, uh, uh, who will, is, is very well known on Kaggle as Casanova, basically, he actually lost his competition. Uh, that's, that's, that's the very same competition. I was in 10th place. He was like in 100 something. Hmm. So, it, and, but for him, it actually was a, see, that's something that motivates him to continue, actually, right? And honestly, uh, you know, because Kaggle is more like a marathon, right? You have to spend uh, several months uh, competing in competition. It does require a lot of uh, motivation. So it's very important to be in the right psychological state, basically, right? And for example, for myself, you know, back in the days, I was trying to put myself back in these shoes and, and you know, answer the question, what would happen if I won't be in a 10th place in this competition? Would I continue actually competing on Kaggle? That's, that's actually a very tough question to answer. Uh, but my second competition actually wasn't that wasn't that successful compared to the first one. I was like in the 13th place, right? So, okay. and yeah, back to back to my story. Uh, after my first competition, I reached out to you know to some of the seniors people in my company, asking them, you know what, guys, looks like I can do that, <laughs> right? Uh, like it seems like I really can do something maybe it's a good idea for me to transition from a, a, a data warehousing role I actually doing right now to the data science role because it feels like a more interesting job to do because I was already extremely bored with a data warehousing. You know, there is no actually, for me at that moment, there, was any, there weren't any, 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 any challenges left. So, you know, especially technical challenges. Like I know how to build system, you know. There was all tons, obviously tons of different business Question by you building a data warehouse system, but it's that wasn't something that attracted me at the moment. So and I decided to switch to data science role because you know I had a feeling that um, there's a tons of data and we know how to store data already, but we have no idea how to extract insights from the data and the the the, the expertise how to you know tell the story about with your data, how to build models with the data, going to be more and more important, um, especially. You know, like the more data we have, basically. So to remind, it was a 2012. So yeah. Hadoop actually was like all around the place. Like everybody talks about Hadoop, and I had no idea what Hadoop is actually. So I actually thought, you know, at that moment, to, in order to be a data scientist, you have to work with the big data, which is actually not true in mm. most of the cases. You don't have to. I mean, most of the data sets you will face in real life, they're quite small, especially on the on, on a modern hardware. They're really small, like you know, you can fit in an RAM basically, right? So yeah. What what big data are you talking about? <laughs> so, but uh, my seniors, right? They listen carefully to my story. Like I say, okay, yeah, yeah, competition. Um, um, you know what? I mean, it's so basically they tell me, you know, get the several competition in the first place, and then circle back to them. I was like, okay. All right. It was a kind of you know, not the answer I, I expect to get, but that's the answer I got. So and I spent the next year basically competing on Kaggle. Uh, Plus doing my like uh, doing my job uh, during the day. So like you know, I was a uh, a data warehouse architect during the day and a calculator during Cagular the night. night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, it was extremely tough period of my life because I sleep most of the time. I sleep like six to five hours basically. Well, so yeah, so it's like it's, it's a two. It, it's a it it was a, a two. I basically worked in the two jobs at the same time, right? I have eight hours my standard job and after I, get, I came home I spent another six to seven hours just you know building something on Kaggle and uh, like pipelines whatever basically yeah it's, and especially because at that moment most of the competitions was were, were tabular data competitions you have to spend a tons of time basically designing your features uh, after the year basically I found myself in a 20th something position in a, a national Kaggle 
uh, leaderboard, like national wide, you know, like a, a, a main user ranking basically. Okay. And plus, I was I had a Kaggle Master uh, badge. There was no uh, Grandmaster yeah. badge at that moment. Yes, I'm just you know just to emphasize, Master was the topest one basically, right? And I reached out to my company, to my seniors again, and it was like, you like, and you see, I think it's a, it's a, what helped me actually, that's the Kaggle became more and more recognizable platform, actually. People mm. heard about the Kaggle. And as soon as I mentioned, you know, I'm like, a, I'm 20 something out of 100,000 data scientists competing on Kaggle. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. You just like, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. We just like immediately promoted to data science position. I was like, mm. okay. Because, you know, I never was actually sure I'm, at that moment of time, I was I was never I wasn't sure I am actually worth something as a data scientist. I was I am still a quite humble person actually. Uh, at least I tend to think of myself as a being humble person. But most of the time, actually, it is true. So I do need some, you know, some more uh, self uh, self self awareness basically as being an expert because you know because I don't see myself as an expert. I see a lot of uh, areas I have no idea what to do about, and like a lot of areas I can learn more about. So, and that's how my data science career started. Basically, I was I, st- I was still was able to compete on Kaggle, uh, and at the same time, I basically audit different data science projects in my company, share my expertise, you know, train data scientists, uh, things like that, basically. And after that, I decided to and at 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 some moment of time, I think it was like a four years ago, I decided to change the company basically. And uh, I met Sri, I met other people at h2.ai. And yes, these guys actually respect, they, they, they respect Kaggle actually and respect achievement on Kaggle. And I was actually the first grandmaster to be hired by h2.ai. And Sri actually immediately said like, you know what, I mean, I know you're a Kaggle Grandmaster, right? And that means you do care about Kaggle a lot. Mm-hmm. And I do not expect you to stop Kaggling because it's, it wouldn't be impossible, <laughs> right? I can't say you're like, hey, Dmitry, now you actually work for me. Stop doing Kaggle at your at your day to at, at you during the working hours because you're going to do 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 it eventually, right? You're still going to continue that because that's that's something that motivates you and drives you. So why don't you just do it officially so you can actually do it, you know, during your working hours and even even more, you can use a H2 hardware to compete on Kaggle. Was like, and for me, it was a immediately, uh, like it's basically at that moment I decided I will join H2. So it was like an instant okay, decision yeah, for should, you. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it was like yeah, sure, I should I should work with I we should work here. And from that moment of time, I worked for H2 and yeah, still compete on Kaggle. You, but it's. It, yeah, go ahead. You, you, I, I was just going to point out that you're still still very active to this date. Uh, yes, uh, I I wouldn't say I'm, ex- I'm on, on a, my activity on the, on the same level, right? So I actually kind of feel myself I'm uh, slightly moving from Kaggle. At least, you know, at least the amount of time I'm spending on Kaggle competitions remains uh, low compared to the previous involvement. But it's still, yeah, it's still fun. It's still very fun and uh, there is... A lot of things you can learn on Kaggle. There's how, a lot of tons of things you can. Go ahead. How have your views and uh, your your overview of Kaggle evolved over these years as you've competed throughout these years? So Kaggle definitely became a more recognizable and respected platform. People these days, I mean, thanks to a company like H2, thanks to Kaggle itself, right? Thanks to the community, people really. Start to you know recognize the the Kaggle achievement as something basically which you know as something basically as something good as something that defines you as a data scientist. As of Kaggle in general, basically, I don't think in in the the core basically of Kaggle remains the same, right? There is nothing changed, like you know, from let's say from a bird view perspective, it's still the same platform, it's still the same idea. Details obviously change a lot, changes changed a lot. And uh, you have a new type of competitions, which is actually great, but I wasn't able to participate. But I like, you know, there is a recent competition by Francois Cholet, who's yeah. basically, you know, yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great competition, actually, right? It's, it's, 
and it's completely different compared to anything else. Like it's, it's, it's that's that's something interesting actually. Uh, I'm actually always there is a uh, some rumors basically and some news about um, Kaggle can be a platform for AI games, right? So you can actually train your small like a gaming bots on Kaggle and you know compete with them, which is even better, right? Which is the, that's something that I'd never done before, and that's maybe actually a good opportunity to learn. Reinforcement learning actually might be. A, uh, and I spoke to Anthony actually. He married, he he mentioned that they're going to have some reinforcement learning competitions as well. Maybe with a combination of AI bot games or something like that. But uh, yeah, I still see this platform as pretty much the same platform it was like seven years ago. So like, yeah, seven years ago basically the time I joined. It's still you know extremely open, very competitive uh, uh, environment. Basically. But it's it's still I mean. That's something actually what uh, still, uh, you know, surprised me a lot. Mm. It is a competitive platform, right? People actually competing to each other. Yeah. And at the same time, they share a lot of insights about the data. You know, I was like, I mean, sometimes I'm not even sure I would be able to, you know, to be that effective in this competition without somebody basically sharing their insights. Because I just, you know, I just use their ideas, combine these minds, and that's basically how I compete these days, you know, you're always just looking to other people's solutions and just do, make them better with your, with your ideas and, and that's it. But it's, it's surprisingly, you know, sometimes you just like, you read some, some other people, uh, notebook is like, a, is he really doing that? She just basically sure that's, that's, that's awesome because I never <laughs> thought about that. Like, because you, I mean, for you, for yourself, you see that immediately as a competitive advantage, right? Like, you know, like yeah. if I, I would, I mean, would I share that if I, you know, like learn about that? Because you know, mm. for some people, that's something obvious, right? Like, yeah, I always do that. Like, you know, like uh, it's nothing. It's not like a, uh, a secret magic or secret knowledge. But for you, it actually can be, right? Because it's like, oh my god, yeah, I never thought about that. Like, wow, now I knew that. <laughs> so, and that's 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 something that really really make Kaggle a unique platform, you know, and really like a platform you can use to learn something like on daily basis. And if if I may say so, uh, even though it's gamified, sharing is gamified. People do enjoy sharing it, and as as they call it, it's it's really the home of data science. Uh, really smart people are always sharing their ideas, and it's 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 also a healthy competitive. Even though it's very competitive, but I would say it's a healthy competitive platform. Yes, yes. I mean, the, you know, I mean, obviously there is some critique on the Kaggle being a competitive platform because uh, yes, and we we have to admit that that. Uh, Kaggle solutions, they are not really practical in most of the cases. And that's fine, right? Because it's a slightly different. Um, yes, uh, there is some critique about the Kaggle being like a competitive platform. And because of that, that solution you have a, as a winning solution, they are not uh, being very like a real life applicable. And that's true, right? Because you just, yeah, you just compete to the end and you just trying to squeeze every, every, everything possible from the data. But still, uh, a tons of insights you found actually during this competition and uh, while building your models can be helpful for 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 a competition sponsor. Besides, you can actually you know you can uh, realize what's the theoretical border of uh, information you can extract from the data from yeah. the data set. Right? It's you still can actually it still for, if you're a competition sponsor sponsor it still can be useful for you. You know, even if you know, like, yeah, the final solution is going to be like a ensemble of thousand <laughs> models, and it's going to be, you know, it's never going to end up in the in the uh, production. It's still a nice way to learn something about the data, like, for example, how to let's say if you have a sales, right? How to deal with a a, a cold start, like you have a new product, you know, in your sales, and you have no pre previous historical uh, data to predict the next sales. Is there is anything possible to do in that case? Like, well, potentially, yes. You can find the similar products using clustering, and just based on their historical performance, you can start already predicting something out of thin air. Basically, you can have at least something, you know, which is usually better than nothing. So, and these uh, small insights, actually, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a very important insights for the competition sponsor. Unfortunately. In some cases, 
And that might be uh, a good idea. I mean, there is a data, there is another platform for competition called Data Driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I never actually participated in that, but from I, what I heard, in these in their competitions, you can actually build a final solution yourself. At least it was at the beginning of the of the platform. I mean, as soon as, as um, that was the, the the very first competition they held, and their platform was exactly like that. You just not just uh, win the competition. You also can opportunity have an opportunity to build the final pipeline or to help the build a production pipeline. And that's actually quite important because yes, even uh, if you just have basically a single file or several files as a winning solutions, yeah. you have to have an expertise how what exactly is going to be useful for you and what's not, right? And that's uh, in order to do that, you have to no no be quite uh, be quite be quite experienced in that, right? And that's not all companies actually have. Experienced data scientists are quite rare these days. Another uh, practical aspect that many people don't realize comes out of Kaggle is uh, the test of cutting edge research. Machine learning engineers are really drawn to cutting edge research. And if a paper really works, you'll find it in a solution most probably. Yes. Yes. That's that we have a story about XGBoost, right? Being right. Yeah. Thanks to Kaggle actually, because the author of XGBoost, he promoted on Kaggle and it was one of the best gradient boosting libraries at, at that time. So yeah, obviously people immediately start to using it. Like, you know, it was a no brainer basically. After the Higgs competition, Higgs boson competition, basically, then it was one of the winning solutions. And it was very fast compared to, yeah, actually at that moment of time, I think I still use our GBM package, mm-hmm. which is, was not that fast at all. And yeah, after that competition, I immediately switched to Python and start using XGBoost you know, okay. in, in any other competitions. So yeah, and I think the same happened to several other ideas, right? Like uh, LightGBM pretty much was saying, Boost start, start using Kaggle to, to promote themselves. RapidCI from NVIDIA, they do exactly the same approach with just try Because it's, yeah, I think it's still the best way to, you know, to learn how your package, I mean, how your product is behaved, right? Basically on a more or less real life scenario, because yeah. you have a data set, you have a tons of people who try and different things is your product is your package, right? And they'll find all mistakes you missed and they found any algo, let's say like problem is the algorithms if you have any, any, any of them, right? So it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a good platform to, let's say if you're a researcher of a company who builds a machine learning library, Kaggle is a good platform to, to, to test it. And if you obviously, one of the Kaggle participant, competition participants, you can learn about new package like, yeah, from the Kaggle yeah. as well and try it immediately, right? Not on your data, but in a more or less, you know, secure environment on some other people data without actually, you know, uh, risking your, your production pipeline, for example. That, that's a great point as well. Now coming to your uh, team of strategy, uh, I've, I went through your Kaggle profile and realized your 60% of the competitions are uh, just you as a solo team. And you have also won three solo gold medals. Uh, I hope the audience understands how difficult that is. How, how do you approach the challenges by yourself versus in a team? And do you see any parallels uh, from there of how you team up with the data science team uh, at work or when you just the uh, single data science scientist working on an idea? So yeah, actually for this solo, one of these solo medals I actually won because I had a bet with my friend. And uh, you know, we had basically like a, one day we had a chat and he's like, you know what? These days is in, is impossible to win a solo gold, basically. He was like, it's plainly impossible. And I was like, no, it's, it's, it's doable. It's hard, but it's doable. And he said like, I bet like, a, uh, I bet like 10 bottle of, bottles of wine, actually, you won't be able to do that. I'm like, okay, let's try it. So I won 10 bottles of wine, not just like a solo gold. <laughs> so it was kind of... Yeah, it was uh, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, because you know, by the end of the day, in some competition section, that's true. Uh, uh, especially for the first places, you can just win by a pure, pure, pure glimpse of luck, basically, right? Pure, pure chance. Because most of in some, I won't, I'm not saying about the all competitions, but in some competitions, there is definitely not a huge statistically significant difference between the first place and even the definitely the second and maybe even the 10th basic, right? It's sometimes you're just like, you know, more or less pure noise. But it's still, still, it's, yeah, it was valuable win for me and was the, one of the solo worlds. But you're right by saying like most of my competitions, I participate solo. 
And that actually already tells you a lot about my teaming up abilities. I don't know how to team up most of the time, actually, because most of the time I do my competitions alone. But uh, from my teaming up experience, what I can say uh, for me, and that actually that worked for me and my teammates, we start competing maybe even, you know, like a solo, you know, independent of each other, at least for at the start of the competition. Mm-hmm. And why it's important, because in that case, you can, first of all, you kind of motivate to learn more about the data yourself, right? Because, you know, nobody helps you to do that, right? You're not yeah. relying on anyone else. It's like, yeah, I just have to t- look at the data myself, and I have to build a pipeline myself, and I have to do everything myself. That kind of helps you, you know, to to frame the problem inside your head, right? Like in the right way. The second, even more important point, uh, we try to, uh, with my dad, actually, we do a couple of competitions, then we immediately team up and share ideas. And they found that in that case, our models become extremely biased hmm. because we share ideas. We basically repeat ourselves, right? Yeah. Not try anything else. And, uh, and if we don't do that, right, our final models become unbiased, basically, right? And we can actually, you know, assemble them together. You can, you can, we can achieve better, better score. What can be shared actually, especially during the competition, and I'm talking mostly about the tabular data, data set, the data sets competition right now. Uh, it's uh, you can share your data sets, not the code, because actually code is very hard to, you know, to read and understand that, uh, you know, especially if you don't, I mean, you can do that, but it's, it, it will require you to, a lot of time. It's yeah. very much easier just to share the data set, you know, hey, that's my data set. And you're like, hey, that's my data set. I'm just trying to build the different models on using each other data set on the other combination. But it, that's actually helpful, again, at the middle or close to the end of the competition. Because before that, you have to just design these data sets. And the less bias you during this design phase, the better, actually. The second approach, what we did with uh, uh, our in our teams, not just with my dad, but with, with our uh, participants, uh, we had a, pretty much the same story, but we had we we have a person who basically spent his time looking through uh, Kaggle discussions, Kaggle kernels, any code to find something, you know, like a insights, ideas, you know, some interesting approaches, right? So he was basically like a scout, basically, right, mm-hmm. searching for for the environment for us. And, in order to not miss anything, you know, like which other people already shared or, you know, already used to them. And that's, a, again, was quite helpful. Also, this person actually able to do like a search of research papers, right? So here, you know, like find some novel ideas in this domain or like a standard ideas in this domain. So that was, that's, that could be a nice role actually in, in you know, for any Kaggle competition, like person who basically just, you know, search do a research and yeah. searches for ideas for the, for the team. For deep learning competitions, like, you know, if you, the competitions, like, for, for example, computer vision, I don't have any, like, a specific strategy mm-hmm. yet. But it's, a, the whole field actually is quite, uh, uh, it's enormous, basically, right? There's a tons of things you can do with a neural net, like uh, how exactly to train it, what augmentation library to use, what augmentations to use, how to, you know, how to manage my learning rates. Should it be like, you know, reducing plateau approach? Should it be like a cosine uh, and even basically, or something else, right? It's There is a tons of things you can do, basically, right? Uh, what architecture to use, like how to use it, what, to, what, what layers in my architecture to train, how to represent my data. So it's, there's a, uh, that basically requires, in this type of competitions, basically, you need to uh, you need to know what you're doing, right? Yeah. And it's very, it's, it's, I would say to me, it seems like it's very hard to have, uh, you know, like an unbalanced uh, teammates. So let's say if you're on the same level of expertise, like more or less, obviously, right? Uh, it's okay. But if somebody, you know, like, like a, really high up compared to you, for example, you will end up basically listening to him because you have no idea what's happening around, right? Mm. And that can be can be quite challenging. If you if if the expertise in let's say in the in the team is exactly is more or less the same, you can basically you know uh, split the the roles basically, right? You can say, hey, I'm trying to train efficient net, for example, family, using this and this, like okay. In that case, I will try to do like you know uh, I will try out like I don't know like a 
arc, arc, arc sine loss basically like or something like that so like you know or something like another auxiliary loss basically to my to my network to see here is it is it behave better or not so mm -hmm. that but in that case in order to split these uh, um, uh, roles, you have to be on the same page, right? That's why I'm thinking like having the same level of expertise is quite important because otherwise it will be harder for you to be on the same page. So, yeah, I would, yeah, for deep learning, I definitely don't have a, like exact strategy to do it. Just my thoughts basically from my experience. But I, I, I don't think of myself as an expert in uh, computer vision on, on, in deep learning in general. I'm just start to learn that but it's a it's a nice field actually so it's kind of fun and as you mentioned uh, great data scientists start to have a great intuition for uh, building models and the complete pipeline and that brings me to i went through your profile and realized uh, usually kagglers are a preferred one style of a competition and you have actually meddled in nlp computer vision time series sales related competition uh, so if, if you were to pick one, which is your favorite and uh, do you have any favorite battle stories from any of the competitions that you've competed in throughout these years? Yeah, well, my favorite competitions these days actually is the deep learning competitions. And the reason why, because uh, it's so much less time consuming compared to tabular <laughs> data. It's like, you know, I mean, it's definitely more uh, power consuming, right? Yeah. So you, it's more like a calculation. I mean, the GPU consuming for sure. But your time as a human being, you're almost like you're almost free to do whatever you want. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, definitely, let's say if you start a competition, you spend a first several days building a pipeline, looking at the database, if you're right, trying to understand how exactly you organize your training process. But as soon as, as this, this, this pipeline from the raw images to the submission is done, it, it, it's magically became you know like almost like a zero time effort uh, uh, competition because you know you just hit the button yeah it trains for next 10 to 12 hours for example right you you basically let's say during the night you made your training right at the morning you just you just woke up you know look at the tensor board graph you know plots and you know like a change something basically right like some, adjust some change architecture change you know like a learning rate schedule or something and run it again and you're done basically or basically in, or maybe continue to train one of my favorite battle story was a uh, actually airbus uh, ship detection competition it was uh, my second uh, it was an object segmentation competition it was my okay. second object segmentation competition i participate in and our winning solution, we end up on 16th place, basically, but uh, it's not very like a high achievable place. But what I like about this solution, it was a single model. Hmm. It wasn't assembled, it wasn't nothing. It was a single model, almost with zero post-processing of the, of, the, of the masks, actually. And what the beauty of this model, actually, it was, you know, uh, I run the model for 100 epochs. Next morning, I check it, run it for another 100 epochs. So basically, I trained for 700 epochs, basically. It took me almost a week to train it on a four GPU machine, but wow, that's it, okay. you know? I'll just continue to train the same model, like, you know, over, like, again and again, you know, like another 100 epochs, another 100 epochs, another 300 epochs, well, it's still better, you know, than the previous, <laughs> like, let's continue to train it. So that's it, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so basically, I literally spent, like, five minutes, you know, I'll just need to just check the plots, change the, you know, amount of epochs to run it, you know, to continue training. And that's it. That's it. I'm free for a whole day, basically. <laughs> you know, it was like, well, actually, that, obviously, it's not, it wasn't like that because I had a second machine. I tried different and another different mm. approaches, which never worked, actually. This, you know, it was a pretty much, it was a quite simple network. It was quite simple. It was a quite simple architecture. It was quite simple a pipeline. But it worked. For some reason, yeah, we end up on 16th place, you know, just like by uh, using this single model. Well, obviously, by saying single model, I mean it was basically, you know, it was, we, had a, we have a five folds, right? And you just train the model using five folds, predict on the left or on four folds, predict the remaining folds, and you repeat this five times. And as your final model, you just basically average the, the results of these five networks. So basically, that's something called begging, basically, right? So hmm. yeah, that stabilizes your results for sure. But it's still the same approach, the same model, right? There's nothing, it's the same architecture. It's like nothing, 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 nothing different. That speaks to 
new characters like me this was my first mistake on kaggle in my first competition competition to try the biggest model out there and not try the simplest model out there sometimes even the simplest models can produce uh, great results you know to to support you i i did exactly the same mistake in uh, one recent competition actually it wasn't a competition for uh for the medals it was uh, i think it was like a, you have to you have to classify the disease on the apple leaves like there is a several disease you can classify and what i actually done i just you know i just took my pipeline a very complex pipeline from another competition i just run it for a week and the result was a extremely terrible basically it was okay. like you know like it was not even close to anything basically and i was like oh my god you know like, i mean i'm almost like a single grandmaster who participated in this competition like everyone like else is just like you know like a like a students basically because there is no points for this competition yeah. and, like, so, and i was like okay so it was like, actually you know like a, a really good lesson to learn to start simple basically because as soon as i started simple i immediately realized what actually was wrong in my augmentation schema which basically ruins the whole uh, network and mm-hmm. not basically stops to learn after some point of time because it's because it's because it's never sure and in, and in some cases uh, the a classification of this disease is supposed to be that's a, it's a very fine grained details basically and by my by my augmentation i completely remove these fine grained details so there is no it's not able to tell actually the difference between the diseases just because you know there is no details left so yeah it was a good lesson learned actually it's and i still perform actually quite better in this competition i end up on 20 something but you know it was fun at least i you know i found my mistake and instead of being like 400 something i became actually 20 something a kaggle so, novice would have failed uh, 10 times a grandmaster would have failed thousands of times if i may augment the saying yeah you you yeah you can say that actually like and especially you know i actually i really really uh, failed on the bengali uh, um, you know there is a, a bengali grapheme recognition basically right so you have mm-hmm. tons of different symbols basically you have to classify them correctly and i failed this competition so basically what i do right now i'm just uh, building my own pipeline using the solution from the from the winning teams and i already found basically uh, the reason why my solution actually failed mm. and i think that's the most important part of the kaggle competition is to learn on your mistakes mm. because you know let's say why it's important actually it's important because let's say if you compete on some competition you spend hours right yeah. building the very best of your approach I mean, you're just you're not just doing like like for for nothing. You just you're actually you're trying to build as as good as possible, as you think it can be good as possible. And if you're failing, right, it's immediately like you know you have a, like a bug in your head, like saying like yeah, why 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 I'm failed why I'm failed. And that's how you actually go to the winning solutions, read the code, and understand. And this knowledge will stay with you for a long time because you know because you failed and now you know how to fix it. The whole human psychology actually works around and actually the whole machine learning actually teach us you know you can you cannot learn from the success you yeah. learn from the mistake so there is i mean all machine learning models they basically learn from the mistakes if you predict the class correctly there is nothing to learn yet it's, it's learned already the same actually goes uh, for kaggle competition in general if you win the competition it's like you know you maybe even have no idea what exactly actually helped you to win it if you lose it you can compare your solution with a winning solution and understand what actually bring you to this brought you to the to 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 the place you actually end up is similar to competitive so, sports where even uh, if if you lose you spend hours analyzing both your game and even the winner's game so that you can perform better next time yeah i mean it is important to be among the losers let's say to learn uh, winning solutions because you have to see the both sides of the medal Mm-hmm. If you're one of the winning, basically, you know, like you, you're trying to avoid the survival bias, basically, right? If you learn from only from success, it's it's it, yeah. it won't lead you to anything. You have to learn from the failures. Ideally, it should be other people' failures. In real life, it's your fail, failures because nobody learns from the other people' failures. I mean, it's I mean, it's yeah. It's an ideal world. We don't we don't live in an ideal world. I just I'm I'm trying to learn from other people's failures, and I'm never actually able to do that. I'm just yeah. But if I fail something, yeah, I'm definitely learn that <laughs> that example by heart. And here's the same, right? If you you have to try something yourself, right? Like for example, let's say if you somebody asked me about advice how to start competing on Kaggle, 
obviously it is a good idea to start from a previous competition, but you have to try it in your, them yourself without looking to the winning solution first. Because you need to have this example, you know, you compare to best, let's say, right? Mm. Because if you learn just the best, you you won't understand this difference, right? What exactly brought you to the to the best? Because and even 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 by reading uh, winning solution, especially for tabular data, right? It's a, it's always important, you know, at a winning solution, you have like, okay, yeah, we built these features, like, and we built this model, we done, yeah, we won. But the question is actually the right question to answer, to, to ask and to, to, have, to find the answer. How exactly the team came up to these features? Like, mm. what's the thought process around it? Like, was, was, it's like was a random search, and it could be actually just a random search. Who knows? Like, if you're not a domain expert, that's potentially it's obviously some some sort of a random search because you have no idea about the domain, and you don't have a domain knowledge. But in in general case, you that's 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 a very important question to answer. How exactly people came up to this solution, not to the solution itself, and obviously nobody will tell you that because. Uh, not just because they secretive, because you know, at the end of the competition, you have no idea. So much happened during yeah. the competition, so you just you just don't remember how exactly you came up to this. Like you can, you know, you can say like it was a blind luck, and you will be right because yeah, I'm, mm. I'm kind of got lucky to some extent. Yes, you you were. You just you know you just throw random stuff to the your validation schema, and because your validation schema is good, you just like yeah, you just mm. uh, something remained basically. But. That's why I think it's important, uh, even for past competition, is try to build your own solution and then compare your solution to the winning solution. That actually helps you to build, you know, the understanding of what's... You, you will see the difference, basically, right? And you can able to learn from, from this difference. Certainly. Uh, what what challenges do you look for today? You still, uh, I would say, pretty active on Kaggle. You might disagree, but what challenges do you look for today on Kaggle? I like, uh, I like computer vision competitions. Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't think I'm actually very good in NLP competitions, and I don't uh, feel myself extremely motivated to to compete on uh, NLP competitions. Tabular data in time series is a uh, very time consuming, so it's maybe I might be participating in them like you know here and there, but yeah, most of the time I'm kind. Deploying fascinates me basically, and I would like to continue. Uh, compete on these type of competitions, and obviously something new like reinforcement learning for it would be would be really nice and fun mm. to, to to start. Okay, uh, coming to your uh, what you're also doing at uh, during your day, you're also Kaggle at day at Estu, but uh, you're the chief data scientist at Estu.ai. Uh, what tasks are you working on, and uh, how has Kaggle helped you at work? Uh, how has Kaggle helped you become a better better data scientist? So, uh, well, Kaggle, uh, yeah, Kaggle basically, yeah, it was a tremendous help in what I do in my uh, uh, like day-to-day data science job, right? Because we, at the company, we build an automation, uh, automatic machine learning framework, right? And that's basically, idea is quite simple, right? You just give us data, we will train a model for you. Obviously, the, devil's in, the devil is in the details, right? There is a tons of complex and challenging problems in that, but it's a, still Kaggle helps you to you know, uh, first of all, during my Kaggle experience, I built for myself like a different libraries, right? I'm, I'm just mm. continuing to reuse on any tabular data competition. And that's actually helped me to define what I'm usually do for competition, right? What's uh, feature transformations and engineering technique I can use almost in any, uh, in any ta- for, on, on any tabular data set, right? Yes, it won't replace the domain ex- expertise right if you have a specific domain expertise for the data yeah sure it's but it's still it's 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 a very good like start and you have a really really generalizable approaches for any given data and that's uh, that that that's something i built for myself and for the company thanks to kaggle okay. and kaggle still helps us to be on the on the each of the research and each of the you know on the tool sets you but can use like uh, approaches approaches techniques tips and you know, different tricks right it's 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 still like a, a vast a, a treasure trove basically for for machine learning expert so yeah that that's for me is yeah kaggle basically helped me to keep in shape and find something new for the products we build right now 
talking about products, uh, driverless here is currently one of the answers by H2 to AutoML. Uh, what features, pun intended, uh, did you contribute to or were you involved uh, while in the development of driverless? So, yeah. Uh, so basically, the story starts uh, like almost three years ago, right, uh, for driverless AI. And Sri, our CEO, approached me and asked me, like, hey, Dmitry, can you build, uh, you know, like a, let's say some sort of a general script, like, you know, which the script you can use on any Kaggle tabular data, which gives you more or less good school, like, you know, good prediction basically on, 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 on a leaderboard. Not the best one, obviously, but something good, you know, something reliable, something like achievable and more or less straightforward. I was like, sure, yeah, I can do that. Uh, I, and I sat and I realized I have no idea how to do that. I never had actually, you know, like a general script which runs for me. So I decided to build one. And that's how Drivers AI basically started. So for Drivers for AI, I built a feature engineering part. So because at that moment of time, uh, and actually even right now, more or less all parts of a machine learning model building is uh, more or less automated, uh, can be automated, right? Like for example, you can uh, fine tune features yourself and that's great. Or you can just, you know, run something like Hyperopt or Optima to find the best feature for you. Uh, from the other hand, the feature representation process wasn't automated at all, right? And I just said, okay, how can I automate that? Obviously, you can just, you know, you can you can do like a random sync approach, right? You can basically take your data, take all the transformation possible, combine them together, get a huge data set, and work with that. But the data set becomes too huge, and it's, it's, it's really becomes like, you know, like tremendous. So I decided to design the system which actually find the most effective uh, feature representation. And that's how DriverCR started. It's based on a genetic algorithms based, uh, or like in a nutshell. There are some tweaks in, uh, here and there, but in, in like as a meta approach here, it was a genetic algorithm. Okay. You, yeah. you. And, you. And yeah, and that's, that's, what, that's what I built and you know, I spent three months actually building that. And after three months, we had the first version of Drive CI and we showed this uh, first version on GTC uh, conference. And it was pretty successful demonstration actually. And that's how it started. Obviously I have to mention like, yeah, it's a, it wasn't just me obviously, right? There's a tons of people involved, a, a very smart software engineer. So nowadays the tool is extremely robust. It can work on multi-nodes. So something I have no idea how to build basically, right? But it's it started basically as, a, as it started as a two uh, files, one uh, Python library, which contains all transformations and the code and one Jupyter notebook to show, to, sh to show how it's, how it actually works. And yeah, it's kind of fascinating to see what it became these days. You also hinted to uh, how she approached you and how you made this, which allows me to transition into this question. What does the makers gonna make uh, philosophy uh, mean to you? What does it stand? Uh, what does it mean to you? Well, in general, like, you know, like maybe that's, I would say it's taken responsibility for, for not just for yeah, for the company, basically, for the company direction, because Shree allows, our CEO allows us to do what we think uh, useful for the products, for product products or for the company in general. So nobody actually tells me what I'm supposed to do on my, you know, day to day. Like, it's not like, you know, we have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Shree and he's like, hey, you know, admit you want to do this, you're supposed to do this, this and that uh, during this week. No, it's more like, what, how can I help the company? Like, and as soon as you see some problem, you're just trying to solve it. If it's if you if you feel yourself capable of solving it, you're just trying to solve it until it's solved. So that's basically, to my understanding, that's a philosophy of a uh, of a maker's gonna make. You know, taking responsibility and get things done. Just you know, in a nutshell, that's that's it. That's it. And yeah, and. Sometimes, yeah, I think get things done is a very nice uh, uh, way to say it, because in some cases it might be not the best solution even, right? But it's something instead of nothing. And that's how the whole process actually started. It's like, saying, hey, it's a very complex problem. What am I supposed to do? Like, just do something, you know, and you'll, you will learn in the process how to do it better. Because, you know, in machine learning, it's still, uh, we don't have a 
strong, like, you know, extremely strong theoretical foundation in machine learning uh, compared to, let's say, to mathematics and physics in general. So a lot of things you just, like the whole deep learning space actually is a, is a, is a set of uh, tips and tricks. It's like alchemy, basically, right? We don't have, a, again, this theoretical foundation that helps us to derive a new insights, new models out of, uh, out, just out of a strong theory. So, and that means you require to have a lot, a lot of practical exercises on any approach you're trying to invent. Even so, you solve a problem, you see a lot of practical examples, and during the process, it's a very, very iterative process. You become, you make solution, you're, you're making your solution better and better and better. And that's again, it's I think it's a that's a part of philosophy of makers gonna make. You now just build it, and improve it constantly. If I may point out, I always mention on the show that Chai Time Data Science is a free podcast for the audience, ad-free podcast, but that is because H2 allows me to do this crazy idea of having Chai and asking stupid questions to really smart people like you. And that's that's the reason that I can do this during the day and even uh, run this as a service to the community. So it, that's really what the philosophy, as you mentioned, stands for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, obviously, we're both biased. We both work for H2 AI. Yeah, so. Totally. <laughs> For our listeners, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, we just have to make this disclaimer, right? Like, yeah, we both work for Digital AI and we both think the company is great. We're biased, yeah. Honestly. Yeah, totally. But now, uh, coming back to the challenges you're uh, working on today, uh, you enjoy working on tough problems. Uh, what problems are you currently solving at uh, H2O or what products are you currently focused on? No, I'm actually, I'm, I don't feel myself enjoying working on hard problems. I'm actually extremely scared by tough problems. You know, like, oh my God, how am I supposed, am I supposed to do with that? But it's, you know, it's like, uh, what motivates me is just to try to solve them because it's so much fun, right? I mean, obviously, uh, you're trying to forget about, you know, like, hey, it should be solved because that might actually stress you out, right? Because you, know, you don't want to be stressed out. You know, don't want to be under the stress, right? You just want to be, okay, you know what I need to, I need to think about something. I mean, I just need to play with it. I think, you know, yeah, it's more or less like a, like kids playing with the toys, right? It should be that motivation, that, uh, uh, that, that's, op- that's something that opens creativity. Otherwise, yeah, if you're under the stress and somebody like say like, hey, you're supposed to do that, like, you know, in the next month or two, yeah, that can kill you completely, basically. And you won't be able to do anything. Except, Again, you know, the maker mindset, some... if I may. Yeah. Uh... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was basically, if you're under stress, you just, you will be to do something, but it's mostly going to be some other people's solutions. You know, just will just take something that works because you have to be sure and you just implement it and you're done. You won't be able to experiment if you're under the stress. So it should be like a, a very, like a joyful, playful uh, mood to do anything like that. Because, uh, yeah, and one of the... <clears throat> Back to the question, so one of the uh, really complex and challenging problem. I'm not I'm not even sure I'm saying like I, I'm working on it. I'm just trying to approach it from different angles without any success. So that's, uh, like say, you know, as of now, DriveSA works on the quite uh, strict setup. You have a table. In each table you have a, for each row on your table, you have defined target. And that's something we can do. Uh, <clears throat> but in general life, right, you, you in your database management system, you have a tons of tables. You, so you have to design this data set first. And I'm just start thinking about, is it when is it any way of automatic or semi-automatic with human in a loop solution, we can actually help you to design this table, you know, more or less automatically. And it's doable, right? In a straightforward way, you can do it on, I mean, it's, it's not a question, actually. It's very easy to do it in a, in, a, in a straightforward way. But you will end up with a basically, your your search space in terms of features engineered is going to be exploited. It's going to be almost like, it's, it's tremendous, basically. So when I'm starting thinking about, is there any effective way to, you know, not just to create all features possible, like, you know, for your, let's say, table while joining different tables in your data set, and in your database, creating your data set. But find the most important ones, right? You know, like uh, the, the most useful one, which contains signal compared to just noise or whatever. And that's a, yeah, that's actually quite hard problem to solve. A tough question. Uh, what do you think uh, is one of the underrated aspects of AutoML? Oh, it is a tough question, actually. So uh, it's, underrated uh, I think 
thanks to some companies and some marketing uh, campaigns, data scientists in some cases think that automobiles tend to, to replace them, right? So it's going to be better than a data scientist. It's not. No. Just like, no. And the main reason why is because it's up to you to design a data set uh, because your data set basically represents the business problem you're trying to solve. And there's a two major extremely important pieces which we have no idea how to replace human for. It's uh, mm. the data set itself, like I, like I explained before, right? Somebody has to design the data and yeah. somebody has to define a validation schema, how exactly you're going to check your, your, your data basically, right? And in most in most real life scenarios, your data is has some strange time dependency or cohort dependency, and you have to make sure you actually consider that, and you have to t- tell the AutoML tool what's you what you expect, how exactly you expect uh, this validation scheme validation to be performed, and your tool is supposed to allow you to do that. So to me, AutoML is mostly for as a time saver, right? It's not like a replacement for, for anyone, but it's a time saver. It helps you to understand. So let's say you design your, uh, your, your table you're trying to you know, build your model on. Yeah. And AutoML tool basically helps you to understand is it the right data basically you put on this table? Like maybe you should add something more, like you know, some, some, something else, like some more data basically, because, you know, in near in real life compared to uh, Kaggle, you don't fine tune your model to the third digit up to the decimal point, right? You know, you never do that. You nobody cares. If you see, if you want to improve your model, basically, you just add additional data sets, like add additional data, basically, right? Like say, if you have sales, you can add weather data, right? You can add a CPI, like consumer uh, consumer indexes, like different indexes, basically, to your data, different prices, the market behavior, if you want, something which basically, you know make your data set richer. You don't actually uh, just fine tune model on the small data set. You're just trying to get more data, more and more data, do a feature selection maybe, right? And uh, that's how you uh, build your final model. Yeah. And uh, AutoML can, can, here can help you because you know, it's, it's basically, instead of thinking about feature representation, you just, you know, you just put the data center to AutoML tool, see the score, and if it's the score you would like to achieve, you already can use it. Or if you can think of an AutoML tool as a as a baseline. Okay, you know, my AutoML tool build me like an AUC of 19.2. Can I beat it, basically, and build 19.3? Let's say if I spend two hours or two days, for example. And in some cases, you can. In some cases, you cannot, actually. I mean, obviously, if you spend two months or so, you will beat AutoML score for sure. Like, that's not a question, actually. It's a, but if... if you, I mean, if you have these two months, basically, but if you don't, you just, you know, you can use it as, as it is, and it's already good enough for most of the practical cases. Like you said, it, it's, it's really a tool. Yeah, it, it's just a tool. It's just another tool in your tool, in your, in your, in your tool belt. It just, it's, it's not going to, go, not going to replace it, replace you to any, to any extent. It just helps you to build the model, understand the data, see the, you know, like a different pitfall. So again, it's just a tool. And for professional data scientists, he can, he, I mean, professional data scientists can use anything to his advantage, right? It can be AutoML, yeah. it can be, I don't know, like a new, a new, a new article, basically, in some scientific journal. It doesn't matter. It's just it's still going to be advantage. Right. So uh, coming to the final question of the interview, uh, if you were to give one best advice to Kaggle newbies in 2020, what would be the best advice? Uh I would I would do a kind of controversial advice actually, right? But I think having a good software skills is mandatory. Hmm. Software engineering skills, yeah, because uh, that's something you won't be able to learn on Kaggle, right? So anything else you definitely can be, but Kaggle code is Kaggle code. You know, nobody writes it. Like, I mean, honestly, I never. I mean, my code is terrible actually. The code I write on Kaggle, I I never show to anyone actually. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just it's just simply terrible. So that means. That's the only uh, skill you won't be able to learn on Kaggle. It's how to write a good code. So let's say if you if you spend some time just learn how to write a nice Python code, it's definitely going to be extremely helpful. Because <clears throat> it can be helpful in two ways. In two ways. First of all, you're going to be you're going to write a clean and nice code, which is always beneficial. You know, no matter what you're going to do next in your life, it's I mean, if you if you connect your life with IT, it's it's definitely helpful. No questions asked, right? Uh, but also, you will spend tons of time uh, looking at other people's code. 
and if you have experience and if you know i mean if you so basically the fast you can read our people code the better right so that, yeah. that's something you can yeah that's definitely something you can learn outside of kaggle also maybe uh but that's something you can learn on Kaggle as well, right? So you just, yeah, you just, I, and don't, don't hesitate to, to don't hesitate to start actually competing. Don't do like me actually. Don't spend six months just learning something outside of Kaggle. Just start competing immediately. If you fail, you'll just learn tons of things in the process, right? And especially because that won't be actually important. But if you continue to do that, you know, the next, let's say in first competition, you can, you can be in like say in top, like in a, in, a, in a basically in a bottom list of the competitor you know, participants, not in the top one. But if you continue to do that, you find yourself to your own surprise, like being a top part of the list, not on the bottom one. It just it just requires you know consistency and uh, constant work. Basically, it's not consistency like, uh, like like how we started this interview. Yes, yeah, exactly. So basically, it's it's all about just being constantly involved. Let's say now in our words. That's amazing advice. Uh, before we end the call, Dimitri, uh, I'll have your profiles linked in the description. Uh, if you'd like to mention any platforms where the audience can follow you. Uh, I have a Twitter account, actually. It's, uh, but I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. The, I think it's a DALARCO or something like that. So I think it's easy, very easy to, to find me on Twitter. Let me check. I'll have it linked in the show notes as well for anyone. Who yeah, it's, it's Dimitri Larco, basically. And that's, yeah, I don't have any... Uh, I do have a Facebook, uh, but it's, I tend to keep a Facebook to people I really like know, you know, in a physical world, but in LinkedIn, yeah, I, I usually connect to everyone and yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, but I'm usually extremely silent, so, silent, uh, silent on Twitter. So yeah, you know, maybe there is, honestly, there is no point of following me because I don't, uh, you know, don't publish too okay. much actually to, to, to outside world. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Dimitri, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and for all of your amazing insights that you shared. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give it a review or feel free to shoot me a message. You can find all of the social media links in the description. If you like the show, Please subscribe and tune in each week to Chai Time Data Science.